Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. We'll bring Marcellus on. How about that? Then you can uh, ask him some questions as well. I don't have any questions for him. <laughs> oh, going to clam up now, I see. It's not clamming up. I don't have any questions for him. My not, questions wouldn't be like super. I don't really care, care about his thoughts on Brian Flores too much. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, I mean, some, I, people, I, some people can say some things and it's just like to you. It's like, ah, man, he made some good points. And it's like, ah, I understand his points, but yeah, not for me. Yeah, no, I hear you. And and we're going to find out what's real, what's not real. Um, and, you know, with, with, with Brian Flores and what happened and what really happened. Um, and it's just I, I learned a long time ago because I've, I've, I've sided with people and gotten burnt for it. I don't know Brian Flores from Adam. I don't know. I've, I've barely met John Elway. Uh, I don't know any of these people intimately enough to know who's literally telling the truth and who's um, isn't telling the truth. And we're all going to have to wait and see. And I've learned a long time ago. You have to wait and see how things turn out before you make you know, a final judgment because I've been made to look silly before. I don't think he's lying about his situation. I don't think he, he forged someone. Hey, Hey, I'm going to change your name in my phone to, to bill Belichick. And no, I no, no. I think that, I, I think that happened. Yeah. I think that happened, but I don't, I don't know what that proves. Like, I don't know what, I don't know what bill Belichick, you know, whether he heard it from somebody with the giants or, you know, uh, heard, Hey, you know, this is kind of the direction that we may, that we're probably going to go in. I don't know what Bill Belichick knew or, or, and I don't, there's nothing, he didn't do anything wrong. Bill Belichick was just, yeah, he just made the mistake. So it's not yeah. about, did he do anything wrong? Obviously he didn't do yeah. anything wrong. Just sent the bat, sent the text message to the wrong person. Two right. people with the same first name. Right. And sure we've all been there. And, and, but and even if the Giants had said, hey, you know, or whether it was internally or verbalized this or whatever, uh, that, you know, uh, we're leaning toward Brian Dable before they. But if you look at the Giants statement, they had they hadn't interviewed Brian Dable by the time at the time that Bri- that uh, Bill Belichick texted Brian Flores. They hadn't done the two hour. They hadn't done the, the, the second interview with Brian Dable. All that they had done at that point was like a 20 minute conversation on Zoom. And they brought him in for the second interview, just like they brought Brian Flores, and I think Dan Quinn as well. Uh, yeah, but I feel like these organizations that they have a they have an idea of who's going to be our next head coach. Right. I feel like for some of them, let's like let's exclude the Raiders because so Brian Dable was was picked over Dan Quinn. Yeah. By the time they all went to the second interview, it was it was Dable over Flores and Quinn, and I don't know if there was any other finalists. Yeah, we're probably hey, we're just going to get these out for the formalities, but or you're just, a guy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, maybe, and and, but is that? I guess, I guess where, I, I it's just it's 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 tough. That doesn't prove discrimination to me, though. You know, that doesn't mean that they did it for racial purposes or because they are racist. You know, there is a rule. You have to abide by this rule in the it, with the Rooney rule. You yeah, have. I feel to like interview. that's the thing, though, where you can't say. Like, oh, that that proves that they're racist. Because then when you say that, you people get bogged down into then it's like, oh, well, we gotta find who's the who are the people right. or the person inside of the Giants organization that's the stereotypical movie character right. of like, I don't want to eat next what, to black people. Right. And that's not what this is. No, it's not. What it should be about is 
how serious are people taking this rule? And, you know, in terms of their, their fault and you can't, you, you know, you just can't govern that. You can't. You, you yeah. Can't, you can't. You can't go inside some hit someone's head and prove their intent. You can't go inside. I heard somebody head from the prove- Fritz. Yeah, I heard somebody from the Fritz Pollard um, uh, Alliance today talking about how, you know, really what this goal is with this rule is to try to change perceptions and biases and people's hearts. And you know, at the end of the day, if that helps, <laughs> oh, that's the that's. I understand that statement, but that like, oh, change their hearts. You yeah, can't change their hearts. You that, have to put exactly. in the rule to even try to make them interview that's people. That's the in thing, the first and place. that's so. So what We're, do we do? There, I I agree with the rule. I've had this argument with you. I'm like, hey, the, you need something, right? So the that's rule. What I'm I mean, saying. they made they're make clearly these teams are making a mockery of the rule. But hey, I, it's one of those things where. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yes. Hands are tied behind your back. You don't know really you just hope what that, to do. You hope that it leads to a better place somehow, some way. And, you know, more more um, black uh, coordinators are being hired now. And that's usually the next step before becoming a head coach. So hopefully, um, and I want to see more black offensive coordinators because this is an offensive league. And somebody in the NFL told me this, like, that's where it needs to be that pipeline needs to start being beefed up and lengthened and um, deepened so that on in any given year, there's going to be another Sean McVay or a Zach Taylor or a Matt LaFleur um, in that regard. Because more and more offensive coaches seem to be being hired, right? Yeah, that's true, but... And Brian seems- Le- like Leftwitz, he's a guy... He, it's not because they didn't offer him the job. He just doesn't want to work for Balky. That's it. Like, that's what it came down to. That's his choice, and I respect him for it. And we've been talking about Trent Balky, by the way. I don't know why the Jacksonville Jaguars are like like the York family kind of hitched their wagon to him. And we saw what happened in San Francisco. They lost a great coach because of that. And they may lose a great coach in Byron Leftwitz because Byron Leftwitz said, I don't want to work for this guy. Yeah, I don't think the Khan family knows what they're doing. There you go. You I know? think they prove that with their hire of Urban Meyer. Um, I heard Tony Khan. Uh, he's, you know, obviously the owner's son, and he also has a very high right, role right. in the in the organization. And he was just like, "Oh yeah, Urban Meyer was. Just, he's just like we brought him in. His leadership skills are just off the charts. I've never like, oh man, after an interview with him, mm-hmm. just like you can just tell that he is just a leader. You got hoodwinked. Yes, by Urban Meyer. Right. And sometimes you're listening to an interview. You're just listening to radio, and it's yeah. just like, ah. Uh, I wish they would ask a follow-up question. What did he do to prove that he's such a good leader? Because right. you're telling us, like, ah, man, you just got to trust me on this. Right. It's like, well, can you give us an example? Did yeah. Say and something? It sounds like he... the, the irony now is that it sounds like they're they're creating a position for Rick Spielman, the former Vikings general manager, to be the right-hand man of ownership and be over bulky. And if you're going to do that, then why do you even keep – like, you know, so um, – I think Balky would just want – I think he wants to be a coach but not have the responsibility. I don't know what, coach. what that – Just is. like, ah, man, because um, I don't forgot which player it was, but it's obviously a San Francisco 49ers player, and he's just like, yeah, Balky was just like on the field be, trying to teach him about where he messed up on cover three, and he's just, you know, like John Lynch, if he comes <laughs> over and tries to give you some – Of course pointers, you're going to listen to like, John Lynch. He's a Hall of Famer. And he's like, yeah, he's got to go jacket. You know, but he's like, he doesn't even do that as much. Right. But he was just like, yeah, this is like my rookie year, so he's been – there like for a while now wow. and he's just like yeah balky's trying to tell me about something about cover three what if balky's like the coolest guy in the world and he's just caught up in all like again how did i how did i get caught in the middle of this again but anyway you know but but it's it's going to be the more and more um you know guys like byron he, and he's going to get his 
job here pretty soon, you would think. Uh, everything made sense for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He was the quarterback there. He's kind of a local legend um, in terms of Jacksonville. Uh, he's, he's coming in with this great pedigree, uh, coming off a Super Bowl championship, you know, working with Tom Brady, earning that respect. He had a lot going for him, and he's the right choice, as far as I'm concerned, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then, you know, this – this happens because of a little bit of a a, a power uh, uh, squirrel, which I would have sided with Byron Leftwich. That's that's all I'm saying. Uh, to the Con family, that's my vote. Demond's got uh, the, he's he's sharing my vote as well. It looks like Eric Bieniemy is interviewing with the New Orleans Saints. It's a good look, but I hope he gets the job. All because they're just a quarterback away. If the, and if they can get out of the cap hell that they're in, do that cap gymnastics. I, oh. I love when you just – not uh, anything to do with Eric, but they're just a quarterback in a salary cap away. That's, yeah, man. <laughs> that I mean, is the – They get those things figured out. That's the key to everything, man. Yeah, man. But if, when they if get they could dream- just – if God could just somehow, some way shine so bright. Like, there's teams that are like, yeah, we've been saying that for 20 years. <laughs> you know? We, we've been a quarterback away and salary cap. Sometimes we've had the salary cap. Great. He still didn't have the quarterback. I think Sean Payton, he got out while the getting was good. Oh yeah, you know he's like hey, I'm he gonna. Saw what he, he saw what it was all about. It's this like year. you look at the paper, you know, like you, you like you spend like spend. It's like who gave uh <laughs> we gave him what, how much money? What did we say Bill Belichick's record was without Tom Brady? I mean, I can't pull it up off the top it was of my head. Sixty but and sixty five yeah, or something it's, like it's, that. It's basically about just, dead even. He's he's average, <laughs> right? He's uh, he's Jeff Fisher <laughs> without uh, Tom Brady. Actually, Jeff Fisher, I think, is the losingest coach in NFL history or close to it. And he'll always say, "Well, it's because I was I coached so long." Was it? Was he the losingest? Something he had some crazy uh, record that uh, now he's back in coaching. He's coaching uh, in the United States Football League or United something. But it's tough. It's it, it's tough, and I, you know I just want people to do the right thing. Period. Exclamation point. But getting people to do the right thing, Demon. Yeah, and then it's one of those things where I hate to say it so bluntly, but when it comes to ownership groups and. Oh, we need to we need to get people to change their minds. You're not going to be able to get white people to change their mind if they're already looking at the black candidates as if they're less than qualified when they step in right. the room. And I know people always was just can't make them. You can't force them to sell their teams. So the problem seems to be at the end of the day, these white owners who have their bubbles and then their people who report directly to them just say, hey, we, we think these are the good candidates. And here's our list of basically the one or two minority candidates that we are going to bring in for these so supposedly sham interviews. Well, I'm just hoping that uh, I, I forgot how many general managers we we said are. Uh, I think there's nine, nine now, uh, black general managers in the NFL. Hopefully, the more decision makers um, or, or or have a serious voice in the decision making uh, process. Uh, hopefully, that's going to change things uh, a little bit. But as Marcellus Wiley was talking about in his. In his uh, the company that he owns, what he said, what his bottom line was, you want to, he goes, you want to know what most of my employees look like in my business, and uh, whoever his co-host was, what he's like me, <laughs> that's how they look. He goes, so, oh, and this is a, this is important. Now, this is a whole other issue, but creating black, more black-owned businesses, getting more black-owned NFL teams, sports teams, whatever, I think that'll change things as well. And for the and 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 I'm all for it, and I can't wait for that. Uh, to start happening more and more. But, um, you know, getting there, obviously, uh, it's been a struggle. How long has the country been around? 200 and some odd years? Yeah, we're we're still trying to figure it out. And as you said, changing people's hearts, changing people's mindsets, changing people's 
biases um, are it's 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 just it's difficult and it shouldn't be, uh, but it is and. Uh, uh, it's not. It's not cool. But uh, we're talking about the Raiders, and we're talking about their defensive coordinator uh, search. Demon, how worried would you be, or concerned would you be? Because I know a lot of people are talking about Gus Bradley. Just the 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 risk of of involved in making a switch defensively after they made so many. You know, uh, they, they 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 moved this in a positive direction. Or are we making too much of that? No, you're not making too much of it at all. Because this defense, so much of last season was, hey, we finally got a good defense. And it was, and it's so funny where it's just like, I mean, it's just about, it's a little bit below average. But just, it, was, it was a pretty good defense, yeah. If you look at the numbers and how they, like, ranked, finished out, I know, like, they had, like, let's say that Denver Bronco game. That was an outstanding performance, you know, holding them to, like, less than 50 rushing yeah, yeah. yards, I think. And it's a team that had Yeah, I'm giving them beast. pretty good. And which is probably, like I'm saying, like, yeah, you're the, saying is I'm mm, saying average, right? Right, that's what I'm saying. But here's but the compared thing, to where it was, yes, exactly. <laughs> but that's like the point where it's just yeah. like, man, we will take average after what we had last season, exactly. And it's just like, do you want to rock the boat, right? Yeah. Or I mean, and and there's also the hope, uh, if you're a Raider fan, that you get better from here. And I, I, I guess the concern would be not only not staying where you were, which is better than where it had been, but falling below that, like like taking another step backwards. I, I guess that would be the main concern, right? Yeah, but I don't think if they just keep most of the players that they do have, I don't see them taking that step below average. Right. I think that they can still remain average with just running it back. Or And I don't also, I don't think that switching from that th- form of the 4-3 to the 3-4 technique on the line, I don't think that that's going to be like I, the end-all yes. be-all. I, I, I completely agree with you, and, and I, we, we've brought up the point, um, you know, when, when Jeff Fisher got cleared out of the Rams, that was a 4-3 defense. They bring in Wade Phillips, who's a disciple and proponent of the 3-4. They made it work. Uh, heck, they made the playoffs. They won a, they won a division championship uh, that first year, and the defense really didn't take a, a, any kind of a step back or anything like that in 2017. So, uh, we get caught up in the schemes. We get caught up in all of that, but it doesn't mean uh, that it can't be changed over and um, even improved. Moving from a four-three to a three-four, and you know, uh, uh, just working through. Yeah, you're going to have to bring in some new players, and yes, some some players are going to have to play different um, assignment football, uh, do things differently in terms of their technique and all that type of stuff, but. You know, if you look at most college, if you look at most NFL players, they've played every type of system that you can imagine. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Frank is in OKC. What's going on, Frank? Oh, not much. Hey, um, Vinny, I was wanting to talk to you about I just read a, uh, one of the Raiders' website that they made the decision to hire the uh, young man from Chicago. Do you know anything about that, and how good is he, or... Well, uh, who are you saying reported it? Because this is news to me. This is a silver. And oh, black oh, yeah. Black. I, 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 I. Um, did you see that? I did. It was a. Uh, it sounded like, uh, and that's the Bill Williamson uh, website. I think. Um, he that's cut, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it looks like, and you know what? I'm just gonna defend Bill here for a second. Okay, uh, real quick, and I'm going to get to your your question because I know a lot of people are giving him grief. It is very commonplace. In journalism, when you get wind that something is imminent or likely to happen, that you prepare yourself by writing a story. They call it a lay down story. You put a, you write the story, 
on the the possibility that this is what's going to happen. And then you just you keep it there so that when it becomes official or if it becomes official, you hit publish and there you are. Here's the Raiders or the Packers or whoever it is. Everybody's done it, okay? And it sounds like he wrote his laydown story on uh, Sean Desai becoming the next Raiders uh, defensive coordinator. And somebody in the company that he works for either didn't get the memo that this is just a laydown and not to be published until it becomes official, hit publish, and it went out there for a minute or two, and then he had to take it back, obviously. So it, I don't think that it's happened. Um, from what I understand, it's not happened, and I don't know if it's going to happen today. Uh, but in Bill's defense, that does sometimes happen, so it was just an honest mistake. In terms of Sean Desai, the the ca- candidate, uh, one year as the defensive coordinator with the Chicago Bears last year, we mentioned earlier that um, they weren't quite as good as they had been in the past. But if you look at the injuries that they had on defense, Khalil Mack played only six games last year, and it was pretty dynamite in the six games that he played. But it was after six games, boom, his season's over. Uh, so good luck finding a replacement for Khalil Mack. Uh, and then Akeem Hicks, their great defensive tackle. I think he only played nine games last year, so he missed eight games. Uh, that's a lot of games missed by two really good players. Uh, and on top of all of that, if you go back to September 13th when the Chicago Bears were getting ready to start their season, of their 11 starters to open the season, only two ended up playing a full season. So they were dealing with a lot of injuries. So they weren't quite as good as they had been, but they were still uh, top seven in terms of yards allowed per game. I think they gave up 22 points per game, which isn't great uh, and was a fall off from the previous year. But again, we mentioned some of the injuries that they had. And you also have to throw in the fact that their offense was terrible last year. So a lot of times when you have a bad offense, it's going to contribute to how well your defense sometimes plays. So, But by and large, um, he's a guy that has gotten a lot of good uh, reviews around the league. We talked to, or I didn't talk to Robert Quinn about him, but my friend, uh, colleague, Adam Hill, got a chance to talk to uh, to Robert Quinn about Sean. It's in my story uh, that's probably published now over the Las Vegas Review Journal uh, about Sean and, and, and who he is and how old he is and all that good stuff. Got a great educational background, went to Boston College, um, has a master's degree from from uh, Columbia University, a doctorate from Temple University. He's been coaching a long time, 38 years old. So, um, and obviously, there's connections between him and Champ Kelly, who the Raiders hired as their assistant general manager yesterday. They both spent time together in Chicago, so there's some familiarity right there. I wouldn't doubt that Champ's influence already in the uh, in in the building kind of helped maybe lead them or point them um, in, in Sean's direction. So we'll see. He was uh, scheduled to interview today uh, with the Raiders. We'll see where where it all uh, heads. But uh, definitely promising. You can be a little bit concerned about, you know, the, the performance last year by the Chicago Bears. But I think a little bit of perspective uh, with the injuries that they were dealing with kind of explains away some of the difficulties that they were having. Back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Big Jose in San Jose. How you doing, buddy? Hey, how's it going? Good, man. Um, real quick, on as far as the defensive part of the ball, the defensive side of the ball, I, I really feel like, hey, it doesn't if – you, if you decide to keep Bradley or bring in Desai, I mean, there's going to be change, and change happens, change is imminent, right? But what I think that really needs to happen is that there needs to be more of that, that, that mentality of getting to the ball and making and securing tackles at the point of contact. I think far too many times, especially, you know, being there – at that last game of the season with the Chargers, 
you can see a lot of the you know players rallying to the ball, but still not making the tackle at the point of contact and stopping those fourth down yards or third down plays. I think it's you know a good tackling team. And as much as I hate to admit it, because I hate this team, but the Great American Niners are a great tackling team. You know, and I think that's what's missing from really the defensive side of the ball, and that comes with someone that can teach those uh, philosophies of defense and swarming to the ball. Now, if you don't mind, I'd like to add a little bit on to the Brian Flores story. Okay, go ahead. A lot of stuff has been coming out. A lot of stuff has been coming out about people, John Elway and the and the New York Giants and everyone and, and Ross. You know, and and you know, litigation one hundred and one is to break down the credibility of you know of who the person is that you're suing you, right? And so it just seems really unfortunate that they try to you know. Um, mask their shortcomings around defending themselves and building up these walls and taking down the character of Brian Flores. I mean, I think Brian Flores stands for a lot, and he's doing, you know, he's sacrificing his own career potentially, you know, for others that may come behind him. That's why he made it a class action and not just, a, you know, just not a litigation on his own. And um, it's just not enough for uh, people to interview people of color for a position, whether they're qualified. I think that sometimes that Rooney rule does a disservice because if an organization already has its mind made up and is bringing in people just to satisfy a rule, I think it's insulting. And I think that it really it, it really takes, it really takes pushes the process back instead of putting it forward. Yeah, um, no, I, I, hear, I hear, you know, what you're saying. I still think something needs to be in place in order to help move this thing forward. It's not perfect, obviously, and there's teams that are just going to check it off because they have to. There's teams that are just going to follow that rule, even though they kind of have an idea of who their head coach is going to be. Uh, it's not perfect, but you just hope that more, uh, you know, that the, the, the more opportunities people of color get to interview for some of these positions of power, be it uh, offensive or defensive coordinators, head coaches, general managers, it's just going to lead uh, uh, to a better place to where, you know, uh, there's more rep representation. And that's the ultimate goal. It's not going to be perfect in every situation. And you're going to have some, you know, hey, I, I, you know, I want this person as my head coach. Um, and, and everybody has the right to make that decision whenever. I don't care whether it's in the middle of the season to start the offseason, whatever it is. If you have your heart set on hiring Nick Saban or, or whoever it might be uh, as your next head coach, you have that right as the owner, but there's rules and regulations that you also have to follow. And um, inherently, you know, there's going to be some situations where it's just not perfect. But again, the ultimate goal is to advance this and keep advancing it and keep advancing it and keep chipping away and keep chipping away. And hopefully it leads to a better place. Uh, as far as if you're John Elway um, and, and these accusations have been leveled against you, and you didn't do it. Let's just put yourself in John Elway's shoes. What if you weren't hungover or drunk or anything like that, and somebody's saying and coming out publicly and suing you for that? If you didn't do that, and I'm not saying he did or didn't or whatever, but we can't just assume that he was. And if you did, if you especially if you didn't, of course you're going to come out with two fists flying and say that no, 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 no. That didn't happen. I wasn't. And you're going to defend yourself. So merely defending yourself, obviously that's going to in some ways come off as trying to smear the person that's making these accusations. But if you didn't do it, imagine if, if somebody accused you of something that you didn't do. It would piss you off. So we'll see. I don't know where all this is going to go. I'm not taking any sides. I'm not taking any sides. But I will say this. 
I think something needs to happen with the Rooney Rule to help ensure that it's taken more seriously by more people. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur, Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Thursday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. Guareb is on the line. How you doing, my friend? Hey, Vinny, what's happening? I'm good, man. How are you? All right. Uh, yeah, now that the uh, Raiders got rid of those two incompetent losers, uh, Tom Cable and Greg Olson, is there? Uh, does anybody know anything about maybe who they might possibly be thinking about coming in to replace those two? Like maybe have an ink link on it? Yeah, well, it's interesting you bring that up because I wrote a story about that in the Las Vegas Review Journal. You could go check it out um, over at uh, if you download our app, Vegas Nation, or go to uh, vegasnation.com. But um, if you give me one second, I will call that story up and uh, give you some of the names that I've been hearing and kind of speculating. Some of it is, you know, kind of connect uh, the dots. But uh, and keep in mind, you know, uh, the offense is going to be run by Josh McDaniels. That's that's the offensive coordinator. He's going to uh, put the plays together. He's going to scheme it up. He's going to call the plays, uh, all of that type of stuff. But much like Sean McVay in Los Angeles or Matt LaFleur in Green Bay or, um, you know, Andy Reid in Kansas City, uh, Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco, offensive-minded coaches that call the, the plays, um, they're going to also – you know, hire an offensive coordinator. And so um, it looks like what I have a feeling that what Josh McDaniels is going to do is bring somebody in that um, has a heavy quarterback influence, you know, uh, because as a head coach, you're still going to, you're still responsible for the whole team. And I think that you want in your offensive coordinator, if you're an offensive minded coach, somebody that's going to be able to deal directly with the quarterback 24 seven, basically, and kind of have that liaison sort of like Greg Olson was, um, you know, to uh, to John Gruden and and uh, and and um, Derek Carr. So um, you know, uh, so keep an eye on that. There's going to be a lot of people that you that you read about and see that have connections um, to to, uh, to to Josh McDaniels. Um, he's already brought in a uh, Bo Hardigree, uh, a, his quarterback coach. They did hire a quarterback coach, Bo Hardigree, uh, who worked under Josh McDaniels last year. Um, you know, with the New England Patriots as the assistant quarterback coach. Now he's going to be the full-time uh, quarterback coach. Uh, Jerry Suplinski, um, who also another John Carroll University uh, alum who has worked a long time with the New England Patriots and knows Josh McDaniels. Um, I think he was the uh, he was a quarter, he was the full-time quarterbacks coach uh, with the New England Patriots last year. He's a name that that's being bandied about. Uh, as far as the offensive coordinator role. So it's going to be probably somebody that is – somebody brought up Bill O'Brien. But Bill O'Brien is going to – wherever he goes, if he's going to leave the University of Alabama, he's going to want to go someplace where he calls the plays, where he is the offensive coordinator. And so that's not going to be the case here uh, with the with the Las Vegas um, you know Raiders, obviously, because Josh McDaniels is going to serve that role. But Jerry Suplinski is somebody to keep an eye on. Um, that's basically – in fact, I would say that – Adam Gase, I know a lot of people are, are rolling their eyes. No. 
Adam Gates goes has a history with um, he's he has a history with uh, with Josh McDaniels. He, he was also a good offensive coordinator and has been a head coach. And I know that some of the results didn't didn't you know with the Miami Dolphins. I think he got the, the they went to the playoffs one year. I think uh, with with Adam Gates. I know it didn't work out with the New York Jets. That's a dif- dysfunctional organization. But he's not going to be here as the head coach. He's going to be here as he he'd be overqualified to be the offensive coordinator here. Um, but if it's He's dysfunctional, eh, I mean, you know, I know we all saw the video, but there's people in the NFL who feel like this guy's a very good coach. He might not be a head coach. And maybe that's what the lesson has been learned. Although, you know, he didn't do a horrible job with the Miami Dolphins. And I think there was one year where they made the playoffs. But if you're talking about an offensive coordinator under an offensive minded head coach, it might not be, uh, you know, the 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 worst thing. I, it, it, it would almost be funny to see that happen because I think a lot of fans would just blow their stack. But go look at Nick Saban and who he's brought in over the years to be his offensive coordinator, okay? And think about how many of those guys were on their second or third try, right? He brings in Lane Kiffin. He brings in um, the for, the other former USC uh, coach who's who's now at the University of Texas. He brings in Bill O'Brien, who had gotten fired with the Houston Texans. And guess what? Those guys do jobs because they're good coaches. They might not be the best head coach around, although Lane Kiffin's done a pretty decent job in, in his next few stops. And, um, you know, uh, uh, we'll see about uh, Sarkeesian at the University of Texas. But you know, it's not unusual for people like Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels is a Bill Belichick disciple uh, or Nick Saban. And even, yeah, Bill Belichick does that as well. He brings in people that it might have failed, might not have worked out uh, someplace else. But you know that he's a good coach and you want to surround yourself with as many good assistants and good coaches as possible. So that's how that works sometimes. And sometimes it works out pretty well. Um, and, and that's usually the difference between people who know what happened. And sometimes they understand what the situation was, what the dynamics were and why something didn't work someplace else, but feel like, you know what, as my assistant coach, whether it's coaching the offensive line or my running backs or, or, or organizing my offense, I believe that guy could do the job. And if, and if you believe that that, that person could do the job, who cares what fans think, you know, they're going to think what they're going to want to think based on what they know, which is a fraction of what people that do it for a living know. Uh, so if it goes down that road he, and, and, and Josh McDaniels feels like Adam Gase is somebody that can help him and, and further, you know, push this thing further down the road. So be it. Uh, that it's his call. So, uh, we'll see. Eddie is in LA. How you doing Eddie in LA? Hey, how you doing? I think the name you were missing was Steve Sarkeesian. That's, yeah. uh, that, yes, that's who else. But uh, I, I, I think you're spot on on your point. It doesn't matter who he brings in. He has to be able to bring in people that are going to be able to teach his system, his philosophy, so he can have success. I mean, uh, we thought John Gruden and the moves that he made was going to have success, but it didn't turn out to be so. It had nothing to do with the emails, just the on-field play calling and wins didn't translate all the time, right? So just because we uh, we have this thought about one person or another does does not mean that it doesn't translate to success. I think it the better he brings in the staff that he is comfortable working with and is all going to uh, shoot the same message to the players. Everyone is under the same page. I think that's where we're going to be ultimately the most successful. It still doesn't it doesn't mean that's going to translate to wins, but. You know, it's the best formula to get to where we want to be. 
what I want to what I want to see, and I and I've been seeing it, um, is the people that he has bringing in and the people he's a- asking to stay. Um, but one of the things that I, are, are what what is the you know what would you feel or the percentage you think Mark Davis at any time considered hiring Flores after he's suing the the, the NFL? Just to stick it to them. Me personally, and I'm sure a lot of Raider fans would love to see it, just because of what we went through. Um, I mean, you can't do any worse than, than Flores. He's a great defensive coordinator. I mean, look what he was doing with Miami, right? Yeah, um, no doubt about it. I don't think that Mark would do it to um, to you know uh, shove it up you know the NFL or or anything. It, it, the reason that you would do this is because you feel like he gives you the best chance to win and that he is the best candidate, the best coach um, for the job. You're not going to do it. And I know people have brought up Al Davis. This is a move that Al Davis would make. Um, But it goes back, again, to what I was talking about with with Bill Belichick and with Nick Saban. They hire people that it may have been a flame-out in their past situation but they know that they can coach and they're not bringing it in to shut anybody up or give anyone the finger or, or anything like that. They're only motivated to win. To, is this going to help this team win? It doesn't matter, you know, if it, if it also says, you know, the heck with you, NFL or league. I, no moves are going to be made for that motivation. The motivation, and it's going to be up to Josh McDaniels, ultimately, who he brings in and what Josh McDaniels is comfortable with, who he's comfortable with, um, you know, the type of relationships he has uh, because this is a relationship, uh, you know, uh, um, type type situation. So that's what it's ultimately going to come down to. Uh, if it ruffles some feathers, it ruffles some some feathers. But like I just mentioned with Adam Gase, uh, if, you, if you say the name Adam Gase, people are just going to be cringing. Fans are going to be cringing because they remember him from a failed situation without a doubt it was a failure with the New York Jets. Uh, but, you know, if if you're Josh McDaniels and say, okay, um, you know, he might not be a head coach. Maybe that's maybe his destiny is not to be a head coach, but I know firsthand because I've seen it firsthand, the guy can coach quarterbacks or the guy can organize an offense or the guy could teach what we're trying to do. And, and since he's the one that's going to be calling the plays, if he's comfortable with that, then, then, then so be it. And um, go ahead, Devon. Oh, okay. Giving me the one-minute signal. I like that. Thank you. I want to say thank you to Denzel Perryman, uh, who brought it uh, without a doubt. That dude is one of the – I can't wait for things to start happening where we could get in the locker room and stuff like that to get to know guys more because he's a character. I love characters uh, and, and been enjoyable just covering him. Uh, the way we have. We're, you're in the huddle with Video Monster. Brought to you by Tequila and Bajada Radio Ma- Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Thursday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. All right, so the question earlier, Damon, was about uh, offensive coordinators, names to keep an eye on. We mentioned uh, Jerry Suplinski um, very quickly, uh, a Patriots offensive assistant from 2013 to 2018. Uh, most recently was the Giants quarterback coach uh, under Joe Judge, who was also a former uh, Patriots coach. So uh, so Jerry um, was with the New England Patriots, the New York Giants, has a history with Josh McDaniels. Uh, another uh, name to keep in mind is George Goodsey or Godsey, 
another coach with ties to McDaniels and the Patriots. He was most recently the co-offensive coordinator with the Miami Dolphins uh, under Brian uh, Flores, former Georgia Tech quarterback. Uh, Godsey has been coaching uh, either college or NFL since 2004. Chad O'Shea. Um, he is the wide receivers coach and passing game coordinator with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, O'Shea has extensive experience as an offensive assistant, including a 10-year stint with the Patriots, uh, which overlapped with, with McDaniels' time. Um, other names to keep an eye on, Nick Cayley, uh, or Cali, uh, has spent the last seven years as an offensive assistant to McDaniels in New England. Uh, the last five years as the Patriots' tight ends coach. Uh, also um, an alum of John Carroll University. And then Adam Gase. Um, I put his name uh, in my story, uh, former Dolphins and New York Jets head coach, uh, an offensive assistant under the Broncos under or with the Broncos under, under McDaniels in 2002 to, and, and 2010. Uh, again, spotty head coach record. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, you're not bringing him in to be the head coach if you went down that road. It would be he knows the system. He can teach this system. Um, maybe just he's better served. There are coaches like that throughout all of sports. That, as it turns out, it, they were just better off as assistant coaches than the head coach. You know, and and the head coach, it's just such a, you know, you're almost in a position of, um, you know, you're the, you're the CEO of the team in a lot of ways. And balancing all that, some people just prefer, actually, the day-to-day -day grind of being an assistant coach, working directly with the players uh, 24 seven. And that's something that head coaches don't always have the luxury of being able to do. Um, you know, their vision is going to be, you know, taught to their assistant coaches uh, and then their assistant coaches go out and, you know, um, and, and teach that to the players. So did you want to say something? Uh, yeah. I don't think that Adam, get, I do think that he's gotten a bad rap because sometimes with these head coaches and I know we look at it like he was so young or we look at McDaniels right. and it's like, Oh, he's, he was 33 when he first got that job. Yeah. Adam Gates is still three years younger than Josh McDaniels Are right now. Are you serious? Yeah. I didn't know that. So where you think sometimes where it's just like maybe he need, he probably will never get a chance to be a head I coach don't think again so, yeah. unless like he becomes the offensive coordinator somewhere and it's just lights out dynamo and you're just like, oh, we got to take a chance on this guy again. Right. But, you know, I feel like that because I, I just looked this up and I'm like, wow, he's younger than Josh McDaniels. <laughs> wow, I didn't even know that. And, and, and yeah, I mean, like – like so sometimes what he probably we, just what wasn't we, ready. What did we? Yeah, exactly. What did we talk about yesterday when we were talking about um, Odell Beckham Jr.? Just just accumulate as much talent as you possibly can, and all the roles like like there's not everybody's cut out to serve every single role. Like I couldn't do what you do. You know, I don't have the patience. I don't have there's there's like you have to be all quick on your feet over here with the buttons and everything like that, and know it all and everything like that. I probably wouldn't be good at that. I probably would be horrible at Q's job, you know, a manager and that type of thing, you know, and having to deal with all of that. I'm I'm not I just I'm not wired that way, you know. Um, so it could be that Adam Gase is just wired to be an offensive kind of guru dealing, teaching, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis uh, with the players rather than the decision maker, the CEO and all that. And that doesn't, you know, and so, so I think fans sometimes need to be aware of that and not just judge them based on one thing because he's been a highly respected assistant coach for more than he's been a head coach. Yeah, and also his first year as an OC, it was in Denver, and it was the year they went to the Super Bowl and they lost to the Seahawks. But, I mean, that I was, was that year in Denver when Peyton Manning, he had 55 touchdowns. And I know we all like to think Peyton Manning, he's his own OC. Like, you, just let, you just let Peyton Manning just— With a noodle arm. 
Yeah, no, I mean the arm. I mean, fifty-five <laughs> touchdowns. Yeah, the arm was still working that season. The only reason I say that is because I remember uh, being in New York for the Super Bowl that year, and uh, Richard Sherman just lit it all. You know, put the fuse on by saying, eh, "We're watching him on film," and we're like. This guy's got it. I, I don't know if he used noodle arm. We should just, you know, Google what he said. It was something like that or throwing ducks or something. And I'll never forget. I don't know if you remember that Super Bowl, but I'm in the I'm in the press box, the auxiliary press box that's in the end zone. That's where I was at that time. And the first play of the game, I think it was a safety. I want to say it was a safety. Um, yes, it was, because I'll always remember this. Mark Cuban bet on it that the first play of the game was no. going to be a safety and whatever his payout was. That's and insane. I remember he did, he did an interview and he's just like, somebody's got to be the luckiest guy in the world. Why not me? Well, the and thing he's is, just like, oh, I can't stand this guy. Well, when you got, I, I actually love him, but for that reason, I hate him. But you also have to have a lot of money to just say, ah, I could I could afford to lose this fifty grand exactly. on this exact on this crazy bet. Yeah. So let's yeah, like, oh, the payout's gonna be like <laughs> yeah. two, three million dollars, but it's like who's got the fifty grand right. to put a, oh the first play of the game safety. So that's how they ended up getting that free eight. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I remember a team that I was covering one time, I I I I texted somebody involved. And it's like, what's the likelihood that you're going to be able to uh, to to go get this free agent or whoever it was? And uh, the response back to me was, uh, unless we find an oil well <laughs> within the next 48 hours, yeah, that's not happening. So uh, yeah, you have to have money sometimes uh, to make things happen. But but if 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 Adam Gase, you know, the offensive coordinator that year, he got a lot out of that offense and. You know, it wasn't like, and that was a defensive-minded head coach. So he was literally running the offense. That was John Fox. So John Fox was definitely, um, you know, he was, he's not an offensive coach. So uh, he was probably more, way more focused on the defense at that time. And so Adam Day, Gase is, is, is running that offense. And I just remember Richard Sherman just kind of putting it out there on Peyton Manning. And I'll never forget in that Super Bowl, the Seattle Seahawks came to play that game. Uh, they were the more physical team. They just beat the Broncos up, basically. I kind of felt bad after a while for Peyton Manning because he definitely took a beating in that game. Wasn't that? Uh, yeah, Richard Sherman said that he throws ducks. Yeah. That was like Monday. It was like the Monday of the uh, to start off Super Bowl week. And it was like, how could you say that? And he's like, well, that's, you know, I'll tell you this. Nikel Roby Coleman going into the Super Bowl against Brady. He's like, mm, we feel like we can... He's not, he doesn't he's that arm strength first play maybe not the first play of the game second or third play of the game he threw a pick Tom Brady threw a pick in that game it was just the Rams offense couldn't do anything in that game uh, neither could the Patriots really until late in the game but they got a pick off of him and so Nickel all pressure was off Nickel Roby Goldman at that time because people were like how could you say that going into the Super Bowl are you an idiot what are you talking about this is the greatest quarterback of all time and you're sitting here you know letting everyone the whole world know what we're talking about in the DB room like oh we might be able to get a couple with this guy because he hasn't there's no juice on these balls anymore so uh, he got away with it a little bit uh because they were able to pick it but they could not move the ball in that game but yeah that 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 so again Adam Gase is he you know the first choice of the Raiders I wouldn't say that but I think he's somebody that they're at least considering and um you know would you want to say something oh no I was just gonna say I feel like he he can bring in whoever he wants to bring in well obviously just because it's his decision but if you but if he is the hey I'm the offensive mastermind I'm the offensive genius let's say in excuse me in LA 
Do you think it really matters? Like Kevin O'Connell, he's probably going to get a job somewhere. I think he's going to be the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, he's going to yeah. be the Minnesota. But do you think there was like if he wasn't the OC in LA, Sean McVay's system would just like fall apart? Do you think that? No, I don't. That's well, what I'm saying. well, I mean, to that to your point, Kyle Shanahan, Lafleur left him. He's no, no, no. Lafleur left the Rams. Lafleur oh, was with the I'm Rams. Saying, the, the the brother. I'm sorry. Because Mike LaFleur left to go to... Right, exactly. To, to Matt, be, the yeah. other LaFleur. Yes, they're brothers. Yeah. yeah so Did the, you see the, by the way, real quick? Go go, go ahead. Oh, no, but it's just like his offense still held up pretty good this season. Exactly. The Rams offense. Where it's just like, I feel like where if the head coach is the, hey, I'm the mastermind, this is my offense. I The offensive coordinator is, good, is nice to have in place, but he's still literally, like if he's going to be the play caller, it's still on him at the end of the day. No doubt about it. Uh, and it was Matt LaFleur and Zach Taylor. <laughs> That's that's not a bad little uh, deal that the Rams had in 2017 and then 2018 with Zach. But there was a there was a uh, podcast that came out. Uh, I don't I don't know when they did this, but it was Zach Taylor and Sean McVay. Um, yeah, uh, Sean McVay. He did a flying coach for the ringer. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Did you did you listen to any of that? Uh, I, oh, the only one I listened to was the him and Shanahan one. Okay. Uh, well, the one that I was listening to last night was Zach's telling the story about how you know we would be in an install. He goes, and I don't know if Sean even remembers this, but you know I'm sitting next to Matt Lafleur. He goes, one of the nicest, coolest guys in the world. But, you know, he goes, and Sean takes this so seriously when he's, you know, we're in install. And he goes, I, I just think that maybe Matt just, because they were really close, they go back, you know, him and him and Sean go back. He would intentionally do things to 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 bother McVeigh. He was like, you tap his pencil or, or or hey, you know, tell a joke or something like that. And Sean would just turn around and give us this look, like. And this is my. He goes, this is my first few days on the job, and I'm like, hey, wow. I so he goes, so I started sitting further and further away from Matt Lafleur, and you could see because they had a a, a three uh, camera, so you could see Sean McVeigh just kind of cracking up as he's hearing this. And and so Sean and he goes, I don't even know if you remember that, Sean. And and Sean was like, Not only do I remember it, he goes, but I, I literally would think, is Matt just doing things to mess with you right now? Because he and he told a story. He goes, I'd be on the sidelines and he'd be up in the booth and he'd want to like blow up the game plan three plays in. He he is and like, Matt. It's three plays in the game. Have some patience. And and real quick, uh, Zach Taylor said, he goes, there would be times when we would be up in the booth. And Matt said, should I, should I tell us to Sean? And I'm like, I, I wouldn't. But if you, I think I better, I, I'm going to tell him. He goes, and, and Sean was like, he was like, exactly. He would say these things. And it was hilarious. So imagine, I just remember those days and seeing all those guys on the field and not thinking anything of it. And now looking at all these guys that are coaching the Green Bay Packers and the Cincinnati Bengals to the Super Bowl, uh, and of course Sean going to his second Super Bowl with the Rams. Who knows? Maybe that's what it's going to happen with the Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and uh, Demond Cotton, my co-pilot today. I want to say thanks to everybody, Denzel Perryman. I want to say thanks to all our callers. Thank you so much. We'll be back at it tomorrow, Friday, to end the weekend. A strong uh, point, 4 to 6 p.m. in the huddle. Vinny Bonsignor, Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio. We'll check you guys out tomorrow.